delighted to have Dr. Gurusahe Khalza with us on progressive recovery. He's a he's an alternative practitioner with chiropractic, acupuncture, uh, kinesiology, a number of things that I probably don't even know about, but I know him both personally and professionally. Dr. Khalza, delighted you're here to be with us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So we want to talk about this idea of how to work with chronic pain for people who are recovering and God knows we want to keep people out of opiate addiction, which is such an epidemic right now. But I know the, the starting point for this is a, is a very personal one for you because of what recently happened to your daughter. Would you like to uh, enlighten the audience a little bit about that? Yeah, so in August, she was at one of those eclipse festivals, and she was in a pretty severe car accident and got really badly injured. Um, great care at the trauma center that she went to, great support from her friends. From She was going to a huge uh, gathering, about 50,000 people, and they all heard about her because they had to drive by where the accident was. Mm. And people were sending her gifts and sending her flowers and people she didn't even know. So that was a lot of wonderful support. But as the she had to have a hip replacement and other surgeries and of course, because of that, she had a lot of drugs that she had to take for the pain. And at some point, what I was really concerned about was her getting hooked on any kind of drugs in a long-term basis because she, had been, she was taking them for a long time. And she had the presence of mind, thank God, because she has spent her entire life doing yoga and meditating and practicing what she preaches that she knew she had to get off the drugs. They, they were just too strong. Mm -hmm. And so she, on her own, even started tapering them herself. But that turned out to be a really bad idea because then she couldn't do the physical therapy and go through the pain and of that. So what I did was talk with her about alternative methods of handling the pain, of healing her body, and we worked on all of that. And in addition, she also on her own kind of discovered or through some advice of some doctors and friends using the CBD oils that we're now hearing about. Um, I'm not an expert at that. I couldn't advise her on, on, on that. Um, although one of the companies I really trust, one of the vitamin companies that I use is making their own version of CBD oil now. So that just elevated it in my mind a little bit that maybe there is a lot to this. So it really helped her through the pain and helped her reduce her risk of staying on the opioids. And just to be clear for our audience, CBD is the marijuana extract, correct? Right, without the THC, which is the component that makes you high, yeah. it just goes into the cannabinoid centers of the brain that have to do with pain control. Gotcha. Now, did you, did you also take action with regard to her care providers, Dr. Calza? Were you, were you in direct conversation with them uh, about these subjects? We did talk a little bit, but not a whole lot. It was mostly I was telling her to ask them their opinion of what to do. She's yeah. in a different, she's in New Mexico, I'm in Georgia, so that was a little bit hard to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but I did spend a lot of time with her talking to her about her diet, talking to her about taking herbs, and on my own uh, investigating which herbs were healthy to take while she was taking those drugs and other uh, medications she was on. So you can't just give people herbs to help with pain or do it on your own. You have to actually know what you're doing because drugs and herbs can interact and, and mix, and that's not a good thing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially for people who have addictions, right? I mean, yeah, especially for them. Need to go down that path, right? So, in your practice with um, people in recovery and you know people not in recovery, what are like the what are like the magic tips that you would offer for for us to be thinking about both to practice appropriate pain relief um, if we're in recovery and how to do everything we can to not end up with an addiction to an opiate or some kind or another. What's your short list of real take-homes? Part of the reason that I'm dressed this way is I'm a yogi. So one of the big things that I like to recommend to people is doing yoga, doing meditation, doing breathing exercises, because all of those stimulate the weak centers of the body and balance the centers that are out of balance that are causing the pain. And so that's a really good technique. Uh, and people can do that on their own safely. Um, I would recommend at first getting a teacher just so you, they could know what they're doing. But other than that, that's something they can do at home. And that's also a nice connection to people in recovery because you know, there's that 11th step that urges us to practice prayer and meditation. So those would be spaces that are actually very consistent with, with working in 11th step, as people in recovery would say. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and then the other things I try to do is to get them to look at their diet. Um, and look at their other health care. I kind of look at healthcare as an equilateral triangle. And on one side is the structural side. So that's massage and that's yoga and that's exercise and that's chiropractic care. Another side of the triangle is the chemical side and that's the uh, drugs, that's herbs, that's your food and diet and cleansing. That's the medications that are necessary or not. That's the use and abuse of uh, different substances. And the third side is the emotional side. And that E for emotion also stands for energetic. So that's where counseling lies. That's where prayer lies. That's where meditation lies. That's where acupuncture lies. And so what I tried to do is help people figure out how to get the best out of each of those sides of the triangle into their life. So I might recommend chiropractic. Uh, I know we think about chiropractic as for backs and necks, but what it does is it gets the nervous system working better, and then the body can heal itself better. I often recommend uh, acupuncture. And acupuncture actually is well known in the addiction community. There's a a system of points that you can do in the ear, and um, it's escaping me now. It's NADA that is, is the acronym. But anyhow, there's different points in the ear that stimulate the body and balance the body. Um, and it's used specifically for addictions. And then I look at the dietary side too. And so that includes eating a whole meal, a whole food diet, eating, uh, cutting down on sugars and cutting down on um, processed foods, eating whole foods. And when people do all of those things together, their chance of getting better for anything in their life, including addictions, is much, much higher. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it's really a very, you're describing a very comprehensive approach. I'm, a re, I'm, I'm reminded of how people in recovery talk about using a really well-qualified addictionologist to help them get a balance between, in, in that case, uh, the, you know, the, the pharmacology and understanding psychology. But you're talking about a much broader body of balancing, very comprehensive approach, it sounds like. Because it uses the best of each of those different areas or fields or people who have those uh, skills. Mm -hmm. And it combines them all together. You know, you can 
uh, try to push a really heavy ball by yourself, but if you get two or three people pushing it, it moves much easier. It's the same idea. If we can approach someone's health, someone's pain, someone's addiction through all of those avenues, again, the idea and the possibility of success are much, much higher. Mm -hmm. Have you found some of the approaches to be more commonly used? Or are there some that are uh, you know, the proverbial silver bullet? I mean, are there some that really do seem to be very central to both chronic pain relief and also working in the addiction space? I've been a chiropractor for 40 years now, and I've done acupressure for years because hmm. uh, it wasn't legal in Georgia. And when it became legal, I started uh, using the needles instead of just acupressure. And the biggest thing that I saw change was, uh, let me say it differently, the biggest result changes that I saw using acupuncture instead of just chiropractic and nutrition were in the areas of emotional well-being, uh, depression, anxiety, all those things that lead to addiction. And being able to help pain uh, sometimes is a, is a better alternative than other things too. So if there was one thing that I had that I could only use that, I'd go with the acupuncture. Mm -hmm. Having said that though, the diet and herbs and balancing that all is so powerful because everything we are is based on what we put in our mouth other than spiritual and mental, of course. Mm -hmm. And so in having a good mental diet makes a big difference too, of course. And that's that prayer and meditation and all of that. But diet makes a huge difference. I see people in chronic pain and I get them off of the offending foods that in their case are not good for them that create inflammation. And if you can lower that inflammation, the pain goes down. If you can lower the pain, the need for external things, whether they're medical or uh, herbal, goes down too. Well, see, that makes perfect sense that if you, if you deal with the inflammation, the pain inevitably um, improves. Are there, are there like particularly offending foods that, uh, that we should be hyper aware of? Well, alcohol is one. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if any of you have heard that. That's an easy preaching point for, uh, yeah. for the listeners. <laughs> Sugar, which is alcohol in a different form in, in terms of the cravings it creates and the effect it has on the body. Some people it's dairy, some people it's wheat. And you've heard people talking about a gluten-free diet because of the gluten that's found in wheat. Uh, corn can be in some people. So what people need to do, I think, is find a way to figure out which of those things bother them the most. And the easiest way to do that is to go on what's called an elimination diet. So you take out all of those offenders I just mentioned, maybe a little bit more, for a couple of weeks. And I know everybody's going right now, oh my God, I can't leave out my corn, I'll die. But you can. <laughs> you leave it out for two weeks, and then the next day, then Monday, say after the second weekend, you add in a lot of dairy that day, two or three meals worth of it. And if you have more pain, if your head is cloudy, if your sinuses stuff up, if your stomach gets upset, if your joints ache, you're allergic to that on some level. And so mm -hmm. you take it out of your diet and you do that with all the foods, introduce them one by one, reintroduce them one by one, and that helps to determine which of those foods are creating inflammation in your body. 
Mm -hmm. Now, you also use applied kinesiology, muscle testing, to help diagnose that, right? Can you say, I'm sure a lot of people have never heard of it. I'm familiar with it, but can you, can you tell us how you use muscle testing to help understand some of these things? So there is this technique, which you mentioned, applied kinesiology. Kinesiology is the study of muscles and how they move. And what we've determined, working on patients in clinics, not in a lab somewhere, is that each muscle is related to an organ. So if you test uh, like your bicep muscle, it, it tells me something about your uh, stomach, if it's working right or not, potentially. Mm -hmm. And so by pressing on a muscle and it should stay strong, if I press on it and it gets weak, it tells me there's an imbalance in the body somewhere. The nervous system is reacting, something's going on there. So with that, we can find out, oh no, it's just the bicep and we can strengthen it and everything's fine. Or you know what, if we try some supplements that help the stomach, and then that muscle gets stronger, then there is a connection between the organ and the muscle. And so we can go through each of the organ systems using this muscle testing and then have the person ingest a supplement and see if it strengthens. And if it does, the potential for it helping is much, much higher. And then the proof is in the pudding because, excuse me, <clears throat> if um, we put somebody on a supplement for their stomach and their symptoms go away, then we, we got the right one. That's how we know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of my big take-homes from this is, uh, real simply, we need to really put ourselves in the care of a really qualified practitioner, don't we? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I need a good practitioner myself, you know? <laughs> we all do. Because it's, it's, you know, I often say to people, they, they bring in me the, their list of their 30 supplements they're taking. And I always ask, you know, how did you know to take this one or that one? And they said, well, I read something online. And my reaction almost invariably is, I do this as a professional. I do this as a hobby. I do this because I do it for myself and how I like to feel. And I'm confused all the time. So how can the average person know what to do? Um, and, and so by studying for, like I said, 40 years now, I, I think I'm beginning to see how this all works. And so, yes, it would be good for somebody to find somebody good in their area. Well, and that, that seems uh, extraordinarily important because one of, the, one of the things I am painfully aware of, the pun not exactly intended, but, but painfully aware of is how, how so often in the, in the conventional medical system, you walk in and, and they give you one prescription or you know, in the 10 minutes they have to talk to you, they, they give you um, some kind of a pharmaceutical product or uh, that, that you don't get that kind of, typically you don't get that kind of comprehensive assessment, do you? It's a different philosophy. Yeah. So the Western idea is that everything is linear, that you can take it apart and put it back together. And if the part isn't good, put a new one in. And if something isn't working, you can do replacement therapy. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful medium sometimes. Mm -hmm. And the advantage of using more holistic care is you're tailoring something to that exact person. Mm -hmm. and and that's where the kinesiology, the muscle testing really excels. Yeah. Boy, so like, like if you have a shoulder problem in yeah. acupuncture, there's six acupuncture meridians that go through there. So what they say is one problem, the shoulder, many treatments, because it depends where you're going to put the needle based on which meridian is being affected. Mm -hmm. And then they say many treatments, I'm uh, saying that backwards, but you can oh, do a treatment here for the shoulder and have it affect the knee too. Mm -hmm. because it's working on a whole system 
it's more integrated with the body. And it's a little hard to do that in Western ideology. Well, I guess the, the good news for this is many people in recovery have heard quite often that they need to put themselves in the care of a, of a real professional who can, who can really bring something to it that they just can't, well, they certainly can't self-treat. That's it's actually one of the maladies of recovering people is they think they can self-treat. But big take home for us is to put yourself in the care of someone who really, really has access to a lot of this knowledge. That, and you know, there's another thing too, which is perspective, because I'm really good at blinding to myself to what my own needs are. My wife would say my Neptune is doing something in astrology, <laughs> um, but I can't see what I need to see sometimes because it's in me. And mm -hmm. so having that outside perspective also helps, not just the, the talent and, and the qualifications, but just having somebody else help you. You know, it's about offering yourself up for help. And I don't know where in the, the steps that fits, but just admitting you've got a problem, you're already there. And then admitting you need help, you're more there, right? Well, you just, you just struck the first few steps with that, Dr. Calza, about the, the need to admit the problem and then, and then start seeking the help, which is out there. So spot on with the step work. Good. So you had a particular meditation you wanted to demonstrate to us that you have found particularly effective and useful. Would you like to uh, give, us the, give us the frame of reference for that and then walk us through it? Sure. So I practice and teach something called Kundalini Yoga. And in that, there's yoga, there's diet, there's lifestyle. You see, even there, it's got a well-rounded type of thing. Um, and then meditation. And our yoga teacher, Yogi Bhajan, taught us these meditations. And he said, the average meditation is called Passive meditation, you sit, you be quiet, which is very hard to do, right? Anybody who's tried that knows your mind just turns and turns. What we do is something called active meditation. So you have a mantra, which is the sound. You have a mudra, what you do with your fingers, what you connect or what you do with your arms. And then a breath sometimes that goes with it too. And by combining those, it activates different centers of the brain. So according to the yogic sciences, that at the stem of the pineal gland, that's where there's a radiance that needs to be created and a rhythm that has to occur. And when that rhythm is right, then it stimulates the pituitary, which is the master gland of the body that tells everything how to work right. But when we're under pressure, when life's not working right, when we do things that aren't as good for us as they could be, that radiance and that rhythm get broken. And so now you're doing this and your whole body just goes wacky, but in particular in that area, you tend to be more addicted either to physical things, drinking, smoking, food, whatever it is, or even mental things. I'm not good enough, um, you know, all those emotional things that we get addicted to. So by doing this meditation, it works on that stem of the pineal, it works on that center of the brain that helps to correct the addictive personality. So here's what we're going to do. Okay. Take the fingers and close them into a fist, not tight, but closed, with the thumb extended. And then that's going to go next to the, in, into that little dent in your temple. And you're going to do this with both hands, but I can't do that right this second, just like Ron's doing. <laughs> and then there is a mantra that goes with it. And the mantra is Sa, Ta, Na, Ma. And that is the sound that means I am the truthful one, I am the infinite one. So you're reprogramming your brain with the mantra. And then there's a physical thing that you're going to do. You're going to have your lips closed and you're going to have your teeth together, not pressing hard, but together. 
And then while you have your thumb up here, you're gonna use your molars and grit them in the back of your mouth. So just gently, gently biting. You're not trying to break your teeth or anything. And when you do that pressure with your molars, you'll actually feel a massaging going on underneath your thumb. Oh yeah. Yeah. So what you're gonna do is you'll tune in, which I'll explain, and then the, this is a mantra that you use mentally. So the eyes would be closed and you would just go mentally, sa, ta, na, ma, sa, ta, na, ma, mentally, and gritting the teeth a little bit, the molars, the back of the teeth, uh, each time with each of those words so that you're massaging the thumbs. And before you do all that, you tune in. Um, I'm going to share with you this meditation um, on my website. You'll be able to get to it and actually go along with it. Um, so there's a tune-in called Om Namo Gurudev Namo, which protects you, which brings you into the present, into the now, instead of your mind going all over the place. And then you do that for five minutes to 31 minutes. Start off with five, and you just set a timer. Let the timer go off in the end. And at the end, you inhale real deeply. Stretch your arms up real high and shake out your hands so that you get the circulation going again and then relax and be quiet for a couple minutes. And that's the meditation. So gritting the teeth, having your thumbs there, and satanama. And that is called the meditation for habituation or to break addictions. Well, so what was amazing, even in those, I did about four reps with that. And what I noticed as soon as I did it, and by the way, you chanted beautifully, that helped a lot, better than in my own head. Uh, but, but what happened was I, I literally felt, now I'm going to call it a re-embodiment, Dr. Kalsa. I literally felt myself coming more into myself as a way to say it, uh, which somehow or another seems to make intuitive sense based on what you're saying. Well, it's bringing your body to balance, your whole glandular system. So the glands are the guardians of your health. The, the pineal is creating this radiance and this rhythm, and if it's not, then the pituitary is not going to work, and the pituitary is the master gland that tells everything else how to work. So if you get that working better, you've got to work better and feel better. So that, that's going to work with both addictive habituation, but also, does that also break the pain cycle that we're concerned about? It would help with that too. Yes, it's real good for that. Okay. It, you know, I, I, I hope I don't offend anybody. But we're talking to people with addictive personalities. So if you want to change your diet, use your addictive personality to do it right. If you want to do the meditation, use that addictive personality to do it every day. And that's the key thing with this meditation. You've got to do it every day, at least for a while. What we say is it takes 40 days to create a habit or to break a habit. Mm -hmm. And so if you did this for 40 days, I, you've got to see some changes. If for nothing else that you actually gave that five minutes of time to yourself and sat down and committed to yourself. Yeah, well, I, I just have to tell a very quick anecdote. Years ago, I told a, a therapist that I would be so grateful when I was done with my compulsivity and she laughed at me. She yeah. said, <laughs> she said, oh, Ron, you're misunderstanding. I mean, you, you're probably never gonna be, but what we wanna do is move your compulsivity to much healthier prospect. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, what, uh, so, so this will be on your site, which is grdhealth.com, right? Right. And so people can go in there and they can check it out and you'll walk them through it and show them the materials and all that. Yes. That's excellent. That's a great resource. Thank you for being willing to put that out there for us. Absolutely. 
What, uh, what closing thoughts do you have, Dr. Calza, of either things to really encourage us, support us, uh, perhaps to poke us in the right place, because uh, I know you do that well too. What, what thoughts do you have for people to hear before we wrap this up? You know, it's the beginning of the year and whatever, what does everybody do but set goals, right? Mm-hmm. And then by the third day of the month, <laughs> the goals are gone, right? right. Uh, but I, I think it's really important if you, it's absolutely critical. If you wanna make change, you have to take steps and you have to take action steps. So what I would suggest is when we're done, when you're done looking at this video, do that meditation or go to the website and do it along with me on the website. Um, and that would be one change and one step. And oh my God, your whole life can change because you committed to your better being in that moment. And then all I got to do is do that again tomorrow. And I know all, oh, but you know, it's hard. It's hard. I understand that. But doing all these things a little bit at a time, day after day after day, 1%, I think it's called Kaizen, is from Japanese. 1% improvement a day, change your life forever. Mm-hmm. That is that's urging us to get into action. That's excellent. You know, I would be, I would be remiss, Dr. Calls, if I didn't ask you to say one final word about your daughter, Gurdarshan. Um, how's how's it going? Amazing. She had a hip replacement. She couldn't walk, and now she's beginning to slowly walk better and better. She's on a cane now. She's taking care of herself now. She doesn't need somebody in the house all the time. She's going through all those stages of, of grief and dying and letting go. And that's great too, because we can see it moving along. And she's learning a lot. You know, first of all, it's why me? What did I do wrong? And, and there's no answer for that sometimes. So instead, she's changed her life to be what can I do to make myself grow from all of this? Learn more, love more, learn about myself more, love myself more. And Boy, that's all a parent can help uh, pray for. That is, uh, I'm glad I asked. That's a, that's a beautiful close as well as closing the story as well it should be. Please, please give her our best. And, um, and now she'll know that we've been talking about her. Huh? Right. <laughs> so Dr. Colsa, thank you for making time for us, for sharing this information here and on your website. And thank you for being in the world, helping us with these kind of challenging things. Thank you, Ron. It's, you know, these connections we make with other people like you and me, that's what it's all about. And we both get to grow from it and hopefully tens of thousands of other people seeing this will too. Thank you. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. And I guess the only appropriate close to this would be namaste. Namaste.